Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Fighter versus the Writer. I'm Damon Martin. He is Matt Brown. And Matt, we are now officially only a few weeks out from your fight. We got uh, this last weekend, Max Holloway fought. Next weekend, we got Curtis Blades and Sergey Pavlovich. It never slows down. Yeah, four weeks out for me. Uh, my, you know, Max put on a hell of a performance last week. That was inspiring, man, to watch him go in there and bust, uh, well, I love Brandon now, but you know, the bust some <laughs> guy up, you know, so, um, man, Max is just a beast, bro. I love it. So yeah, I'm excited, man. Feeling great. We just got done with a hard sauna ice bath session with Coleman. So we're having a lot of fun, man. And we're <clears throat> starting to crack down and, um, put all the final puzzle pieces together and go build this masterpiece. Does it ever, I'm curious, because you've done so many fight camps, and I know every fight camp's a little different because you got to deal with injuries, and, you know, obviously you trained in Colorado, you trained in Vegas, you trained in Washington, but, like, do you do you set a routine for your training camps, or do you try to, like, mix it up a little bit? Like, you know what I mean? Like, kind of vary it up from camp to camp, because obviously what you do in the gym normally is not what you do during training camp, but, like, do you try to vary things up, or do you try to keep a routine? Um, I guess it depends on what you mean by routine, like, most of like the routine stuff is it is routine, but it's different every time too. Right. Like it's a different routine every time. Uh, probably the most monotonous thing is just the food, man. Like it's the same food all the time. Um, I primarily eat like chicken, rice and oats and protein shakes, you know, like kind of the same thing over and over. Fortunately, I have a amazing chef now that makes meals for me. Um, we're actually potentially putting together a little meal prep service, which would probably be something, you know, more local, but, um, I have a dietitian already, um, kind of started this business called immortal diet optimization. My guy, he's working with a lot of fighters. So we was like, well, we should maybe just make this a business. Um, so my guy, he, the way that he makes the food, it just tastes freaking amazing every time, man. It's just, a, a amazing food. I like nothing I've ever had before. 
um, he's a Jamaican guy. So it's like a lot of like jerk chicken and um, a lot of these spices and stuff that uh, I, I'm just not used to, you know what I mean? So um, and lots of vegetables and stuff. And so that's making that a lot less routine and monotonous this time. Sometimes um, what really gets, when you say like routine and monotony and stuff, really the first thing that comes to my mind is like, I hit so many pads and <laughs> hit the bag so much. And like, when you go in the gym, you're putting on the same sweaty gloves that you had on this morning and they're, they're still all sweaty from the morning or from the night before. And that's when you just kind of go, like, what am I doing? <laughs> it's but, funny. You mentioned, you mentioned your nutritionist. I don't know if you know this. Uh, he reached out to me actually, because he heard our podcast talking about how I don't like coffee. And he was trying to say, he's like, I could get you to like coffee. I didn't like coffee. I could get you to like coffee. And I was like, all right, we'll try that. We might try this experiment out. So it's I so like funny it. you mentioned that because he reached out to me on Facebook. It was like, hey, dude, I get it. I didn't like coffee for the longest time either. And he's like, I still don't know how Matt drinks it black. I still can't quite <laughs> do that. But he's like, I bet you I can get you. I bet you I can get you to like coffee. And I'm like, all right, let's see. Let's yeah, see if it's awesome. possible. That's Chef Knob, right? Yeah, yeah, that's so funny. That's so funny. I reached out yeah. to you this past well, week on Facebook. So I think one of the things we should do after my fight, Damon, is get you on the diet plan. All right, I'll, I'm I'm open to it. The problem, see, the problem I have, the problem, the, the, the biggest one, I can't cook for shit. Okay, I can't, I can't cook right. for anything. I'm terrible. Uh, and two, because my schedule's so busy, it's so hard for me, like meal prep, like doing even that like general stuff. So, uh, actually having like an easier access to kind of stuff like that. Like I tried doing it for a while. There was a meal prep service here in Columbus and I used them for like, I don't know, a few weeks or a month. God, it's so expensive. It's just like, you know, I was, yeah. I mean, I was dropping so much money on that and, and, and not getting, you know, like for three meals or two meals or even a day, it's just like, good Lord. Like it's way more expensive to go that route. So I was like, that's the problem. I'm not, I'm not cheap, but I mean, some of that stuff is just over, like ridiculously priced. Yeah. That is one of the tough things about meal prep. And when you look into the business, I mean, there's a reason why it costs so much, right? <laughs> you know, everybody has to make their money. Um, and I'm not going to claim that my uh, service that we're going to put together is going to be the cheapest, but you got to think about your time too, right? Like how much time do you spend, um, you know, putting meals together. Um, now you may not spend a lot of time putting meals together, which means you're probably eating shitty food. So then you got to <laughs> think about your, uh, you know, your own health, right. Your own longevity. So either way, um, I think it'd be great. Get you on the diet plan. And, uh, you know, what we'll do is we'll have the nutritionist actually writing the diet for you and then Nav making the meals and he's going to make them fantastic where they're actually edible. Cause Dude, I've done tons of meal prep services over my lifetime. You know, been sponsored by some. Uh, like Trifecta used to send them to our house with the UFC, and they're they're always shit, man. They're always garbage. <laughs> like, like I don't even like eating them. Like I gave away most of them. I would order a shit ton of them from Trifecta. And I'd give them to my kids, and, <laughs> you know, and you're like, you're like, here they'll eat anything. We don't, I don't, I don't want yeah. this. Yeah, the kids or or my training partners, you know, like all these other people, um, you know. So I I know how it is. Um, this guy he knows how to put together a fucking meal, man. Um, the only thing like I do is instead of like like the the worst part about any meal prep is always the rice, right? There's generally in a meal prep, there's going to be rice, right? And in, in most meal preps, like rice is a simple, 
easy carbohydrate that, um, you know, tastes good with most things. Most people like it, right? So it's a common standard uh, food within a meal prep service, but you can't make rice and then make it cold and then reheat it and it tastes good. Yeah, that's true. It just doesn't work. So what I have him do is he actually makes all the proteins, all the vegetables and separates them. And then I make my own rice. Okay. So there is, you know, that amount of work, but now I have this amazing protein that I can keep stored and or frozen. I got these amazing vegetables or or, uh, different carbohydrates, sometimes like sweet potatoes or whatever um, stored. And then I just put it all together in the end with a little bit of rice, some fucking fresh rice. Um, He makes some sauce. And the nicest thing about the coolest thing about Nav, he makes everything from scratch. He literally makes everything from scratch. Doesn't buy. I've, I've went to his shop many times and he doesn't have a single like jar of sauce or um, of anything, right? Everything is, they chop it, they, they cut it, they, they make it, they process it themselves, the whole ordeal, everything in there is completely fresh. So I told him, I said, I don't want like a pre-made meal. I want each macro or each portion separate and tasting really good. So when I put it on my plate, I actually want to fucking eat it. <laughs> I can imagine when you go through a training camp and, and obviously you're always in a, in a certain amount of weight cut mode, you know, getting ready for the weight cut itself, uh, how miserable it can be or how boring it can be when you're going through the same thing every single time. And you're, and that's what I talk about routine. Like it's gotta be like a daily thing. Like you gotta get your calories in, you gotta get your nutrition in, but you know, there's only so many different things you're eating. So I can imagine like by, by like the eighth or ninth week at camp, you're probably like, fuck this food. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> now. So, so, okay. So on the routine, the meals, that's certainly a huge routine. Uh, the mindset stuff, like the mental training, I do a routine for that. So Every night before I go to bed, um, I'll do about 30 to 45 minutes of visualization. Um, I kind of do some other things now, too. I do the visualization before I'm actually ready to go to sleep, because what I used to find was when I would go to sleep, if I would visualize right before I go to sleep, sometimes my visualizations get so deep that I feel like I'm actually in the fight and then I can't sleep. Right. My adrenaline gets pumping. My heart's racing. Um, so I actually do that about hour and a half, two hours before I go to sleep. And then I do a nighttime routine because uh, that is one of the things that I have prioritized and and switched up since I read this book called Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. And he was been on Joe Rogan and stuff. And I started looking into uh, sleep. And, and there's just, you know, it's obviously it's like so important. Like everybody knows this. Everybody knows how important sleep is. You spend a third of your life uh, sleeping. Um, so I just started prioritizing that and, uh, you know, made a full routine for that. When I wake up, I don't really like a morning routine. I get up and I go grind. I'm all about that. Like you get up and just go after it. Um, you know, I make uh, my, my food, my coffee, brush my teeth and I'm out the door and I'm ready to fucking rock and roll, man. I don't want to wait. I don't like doing, um, meditations in the morning, stretching, none of that shit. I want to get up and go. Um, so anyway, with that said, the routine comes down to diet, uh, men, the mental stuff. And then the, the last part of, you know, what you'd call a routine is going to the gym at specific times rather than when I'm out of camp. It's kind of like, I usually go to the gym, you know, once, maybe twice a day, uh, twice more, than, twice more often than once. 
but it, you kind of show up when you want, kind of leave when you want, you know, kind of do what you want, like maybe take classes, you know, learn some new things, help some other guys, different things like that. Whereas now the routine is you get up, go to the gym and you're fucking grinding. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know you put together a good camp. I saw the schedule for uh, immortal martial arts. You have a busy schedule with you, you and your guys fighting. So seems like you probably had a pretty intense uh, camp with the guys up there and uh, at the gym. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, and that, that's one of the great things, man. I, I just got a lot of good people in my gym, man. Like I've been really proud that it's just good people, man. It's like good vibe, good energy. Like there's not like negative people just haven't really lasted there, man. They kind of just get pushed out and, uh, or weeded out or however you want to say it, you know, they just kind of don't stick around long and, um, just a lot of really good people, man. So, um, have a good time there, have really good training partners. And it's kind of unique because, um, I don't have guys that are like famous or well-known or, you know, fighting in Bellator and UFC and stuff like that. Most of them are like up and comers, amateurs, um, you know, low, I guess, regional pros. Um, some guys come from other gyms and stuff. Um, but it actually works a lot better for me versus like when I've been in part of some of the larger camps where you're dealing with, you know, everybody's a UFC fighter. Or everybody's a high level guy. And there's like a lot of egos, like everybody's pushing really hard all the time. You don't really get to experiment and, and kind of play with new things. And it's also nice because a lot of these guys, I've kind of trained them almost from the ground up. So like they know everything that I do. So I have to evolve and get better at everything I do. So, um, it's, it's been a, a great time, man. And we're having a good time with this camp and, you know, Coleman's been up there pushing us every day. I love it. I love it. I saw Coleman was up in uh, Cleveland working with Stipe a little bit too. Yeah. Yeah. He's going up to Cleveland and I give it, I guess Stipe is not going to be fighting in June or July or whatever it's supposed to be now, which was the original plan. But yeah, he's been up there and, um, I mean, you know, just having Coleman around, man, he's, he's the best hype man there is. So he's, <laughs> he, he's great to have around and Stipe loves him. And, uh, yeah, I think Stipe is going to do great, man. Yeah, it's interesting. Obviously, we got a lot to talk about this week with Max Holloway getting a big win. Of course, the heavyweight fight coming up this weekend with Curtis Blades and Sergey Pavlovich. And a little bit of a spoiler for future episodes, obviously, with your fight coming up, a couple weeks leading into the fight, fight week and the week before that, we are going to have guest hosts on the show as Matt kind of dials into your final preparation for the fight. We will have a podcast next week, uh, kind of a fight-specific podcast for your fight, talk about your training camp, everything you've gone through, working with Coleman, talk a little bit about Court McGee and just kind of get dialed in for that last uh, that last episode before you come back after your fight, uh, just kind of give everyone a, a heads up what's going on for next week. Uh, but uh, this week, of course, there's a lot going on with the other fights, but I do want to mention, you mentioned Stipe. We heard the news over the weekend. Stipe and John Jones not going to fight in July. They are going to headline international fight week. Looks like it's going to be Alexander Volkanovsky, Yaya Rodriguez, and Brandon Moreno against Alexandre Pantoja. Now we're hearing Stipe and John Jones in November, maybe Madison Square Garden. Massive card. Um, I'm kind of bummed because, like, that. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm going to be excited to see that fight whenever it happens, but it's like, man, the waiting game sucks, especially for a fight that big. And that's such an interesting matchup, man. I actually talked to Curtis Blades 
before his fight this weekend. And we talked about John and Stipe and I, John, John is such a, you know, John is such an enigma because he's so good. And I, and I've told you, I know we've said this many times on the show. I think he's the greatest mixed martial artist ever. Um, but I loved hearing Curtis say that like, basically he's like, I don't, I don't think that's, that's not going to be an easy fight for, for John. Like he's like, it's a 50, 50 fight. Like for people who think that he's just going to roll through Stipe, you're sadly mistaken. Like can John win? Absolutely. He absolutely can win that fight. But if anyone thinks he's just going to go in and maul Stipe Miocic, like he did Cyril gone, uh, he's like, you're in for a rude awakening. He's like, that's a 50, 50 fight. And I was happy to hear him say that because Curtis is an incredible analyst. I know, you know, Curtis from your time out in, in Colorado and, uh, Listen, Steve Bay's 40 now. He's not he's not a young guy, you know, obviously he's a veteran, he's been around it, but I just and I listen, you will not hear anyone speak higher praise of John Jones than me. I've said this, you know, dozens of times how much I think of John Jones as a fighter. Uh, but I agree that like the idea that he's just going to steamroll Steve Miocic is a little crazy to me. Can he win? Absolutely he can win. I think he has a great chance of winning, but I also think Steve Bay can win. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man, but um I do think it's kind of it is a bad matchup for Stipe though, uh, but you know Stipe is just a fucking magical guy, man, and just a grinder, and um, he can totally win this fight. But I I do think it's a bad matchup for him, you know, in the long run. I think um, you know, I mean, well, first John Jones is a bad matchup for anybody in the world. So, <laughs> That's true. You know, but you know, if you look at I guess some of the details, I mean. You know, like like Stipe is so good at being long and getting his jab off and his boxing and and other than the Gustafsson fight, the first one, we just never really seen that happen to John. And uh, I think Gustafsson was longer and probably faster than Stipe. So I think, you know, I don't see that being as big of a problem for John. And you know, ultimately, I think it's going to come down to can John wrestle Stipe? And ever since I've seen. John wrestle Daniel Cormier. I'm not sure if there's anybody he can out wrestle, you know, and that's not a knock on Stipe by any means, you know, like Stipe is amazing, but um, that's to be seen. So I, I, but yeah, I'm with you, man. I think it's a 50, 50 matchup on the feet and then about 50, 50 if John can wrestle him. Cause um, you know, I think that's about what it comes down to is if, if John can wrestle him, then it's probably going to be an easy night for John or or easier night at least. Um, Because on the feet, I just, I don't know what's going to happen there. I think on the feet, it's a much more even fight. Stipe has got incredible yeah. boxing, huge power. I still don't know what kind of power John has on the feet as a heavyweight. Like he was never a, a one punch a knockout point. guy at light heavyweight. So I think that question has to be answered. I think Stipe does have some advantages in the power department because we've seen what he can do at heavyweight. But again, the wrestling is really where it is. I think Stipe is a much better, obviously Stipe is a much better wrestler than Cyril Gaon. Uh, that goes without saying. Stipe is a pretty good wrestler. He wrestled at Cleveland State. He's got a good wrestling background. But again, you mentioned it. I mean, John took down Daniel Cormier, a freaking two-time Olympian. So you're not wrong in that. I tell you what, though, not to get too far off the subject, a fight that plays out this weekend, though, I mentioned Curtis Blades. I've said this since the day John Jones was coming back as a heavyweight, and now that he's officially back. And I'm not saying, again, I'm, I, I, John Jones, again, let me keep saying it he is the goat i think he's the greatest mixed martial artist of all time but if you're gonna ask me for the hardest matchup for him right now at heavyweight i thought it was francis at first i thought it was francis because that just mind-altering power he has you know what i mean like just one flick of his wrist and you go out but the wrestling always concerned me you know who i think is the honestly who i think is the toughest matchup for john jones right now in the ufc is curtis blades 
Curtis Blaze wrestling is off the. I mean, he's all. He is not going to get out wrestled. He's just not. He's that good of a wrestler. Now, can he go toe to toe with John on the feet? That's a question. Curtis has worked a lot on the striking. We've seen it improve a lot over the last couple of years. He's long and rangy. He's got a lot of power. We've seen him knock people out on the feet. But I think personally. If you're looking for the worst matchup, and even when I say, let me be clear when I say worst matchup, doesn't mean he's going to win. I'm just saying, like, in terms of the guy who has the best chance of beating John Jones in the UFC right now, I think it's Curtis Blades. Well, I would only argue maybe Stipe, too, would be the other worst matchup. But again, you know, when you're talking worse, you're talking like, you know, this guy has a 40% chance, this guy has a 50% chance. Like, like I don't have anyone over a 50% chance of beating John Jones really in the world. So, you know. <laughs> Uh, but I think Stipe is probably a tougher matchup for John than Curtis Blades, even though I think Curtis Blades uh, would probably pose him some problems. And not so much because of uh, John being able to take him down, but I think Curtis would be able to take him down potentially. And and I think that's where, you know, we just haven't seen John on his back. You know, we don't really know um, what would happen if he gets there and kind of gets stuck there, you know. And that's where I think Curtis would probably pose him some problems. I'm not sure that Stipe would even go for the takedown on him. You know, I don't see that in his game plan necessarily, but, um, you know, I, I think Stipe would be equally as hard to take down for John as Curtis Blades would be. Yeah, I think I think it's funny. I think it's it's like the opposite fights. I would say Curtis would give John a harder time in the wrestling because he can actually take John down. I don't know that Stipe exactly. would go for the takedown. I think Stipe would be more anti-wrestling against John. And then on the feet, I think Stipe's got a better chance because Stipe's got the boxing, he's got the power, whereas Curtis is a little more unproven on the feet. And John has shown you know he does have a good jab. He has good kicks. He's long range. He's still going to have that 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 height and reach. Um, so it's like they're opposites. Like they both have a similar, as what you said, similar chance. I still think Curtis is a slight edge, but you're right. I mean, ultimately, I agree with you in saying that, you know, is it ultimately a great chance when you say they have a 40% chance of winning because it's still John Jones and John Jones is John Jones. And the honest truth is we may never see the Curtis Blades fight because I don't know if you saw on Saturday night, he tweeted out about the Madison Square Garden thing. And John Jones said, how cool would it be to have my retirement fight against Stipe yeah. you know, in Madison Square Garden? Listen, it, it kind of feels like John is 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 you know already kind of on limited time. He's on borrowed time right now. Like he, he came back, he did what he wanted to accomplish, he became a heavyweight champion. He's trying to etch his name in the record books to where he can never be touched because he ultimately is undefeated. Sorry, Matt Hamill, you don't have a win over John Jones. Um he's he's a greatest light heavyweight by a wide margin. We all know that. And if he can go out and beat Cyril Gone and, and Steve Miocic in back-to-back fights. I don't know. Like, I wouldn't be like, it makes me a little sad because I think John is so good that in, in heavyweights. And you know, this Matt heavyweights typically are older. Like they tend to skew older. Yeah. Like, you know, guys who are heavyweights typically aren't great heavyweights until they're 34, 35, you know what I mean? And that's where John is right now. So I think John could easily go for another five years, but when he said that, I'm like, man, it kind of bums me out. Like we just got him back and it's realistic that he could be gone after one more fight. Yeah, and I think the only dark horse that we haven't really talked about, uh, you only mentioned uh, for a moment there, was Sergey Pavlovich. And I'm we, we don't know, or at least I don't know, maybe you've seen some fights with um, some wrestling out of him, but um, you know, I think we're going to find out a lot this weekend, right, when he fights Curtis Blades. We're going to find out a lot about Sergey Pavlovich, and right now he's a dark horse for me. He is. And the only thing, it, it does, like I said, it does concern me. His first fight, he got taken down and, and really controlled on the ground by Alistair Overeem. And Alistair Overeem, while I think has a really underrated ground game, 
he doesn't have near the wrestling of Curtis Blades, and that does concern me. Now, granted, it was a few years ago. You get better. Mm-hmm. That was his. De- that was his debut, and he's not lost since then. Uh, but again, like I said, if you can't take him down in the first minute or whatever, like it may not matter because Sergey has the kind of power to where if you can't put him down, he's going to put you down. Yeah. Um, so it's real. But again, I'm all these like hypotheticals with John. Like I, I kind of get the sense like. It's going to be Stipe, and then maybe that's it. And I, I get that, because Stipe is considered the greatest UFC heavyweight of all time, maybe the greatest heavyweight. We had this debate before, and I think we both agreed we put Stipe number one. Um, if he beats Stipe, I mean, again, does he really want to start going back through the gauntlet of heavyweights? Like, is John Jones going to get excited for Sergey Pavlovich? Is he going to get excited for Curtis Blades? Um, I could absolutely see him fighting Stipe, beating Stipe, and then peacing out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see the same thing. And it's unfortunate. I want to see him uh, see if he can do a run at heavyweight. You know, <laughs> like that's what, like, I think that would be the ultimate retirement if, if he, you know, ends up beating Stipe and then ends up breaking Stipe's record for the most title defenses at heavyweight. I think that's the record that I, I would like to see him go for personally, but, you know, to each his own, man, whatever his journey is for him is w- what it is for him. And hey, listen, you know, everyone's got their own motivations. And I don't know that money is necessarily a motivating factor for John anymore. He's got money. You know, maybe that's just not what really pushes him. Seems like legacy is really what he's after right now. And I agree because the, the, the title defense record is attainable. I mean, it's three. It's not like yeah. it's, you know, it's not Anderson Silva's at 10. It's not going to stick around for another five years to get that record. Like if he beats Steve, that's one. He only needs two more to tie the record. So, right. uh, you know, I think that's I would agree. Like, that's the one I'd like to see him go for. And listen, we we all know you know you can talk about it but if he goes out there and beats Stipe he might get that and be like wow I'm already 2-0 and at heavyweight how quickly could I go through this record and just set the set the bar at four because listen Mark Coleman one of the greatest heavyweights of all time Randy Couture incredible heavyweight uh you know all the heavyweight champions that you know obviously get on the list of great heavyweight champions of the UFC Kane Velasquez Junior Dos Santos Frank Mir going down the line no one has ever gotten past three mm-hmm. ever <laughs> So if John Jones gets close to that, like, I'm like, you know what? Like he might just stick around to do it. Yeah. And you forgot to mention Tim Sylvia, man. You know, yeah. Yeah. Tim Oh boy, man. I, uh, Matt, can I, can I say that, um, when the day comes that you finally do hang up the gloves and, and that, that day will come, we all know that day is going to happen at some point in the future. Uh, sure? as your, as your friend and podcast co-host, I will absolutely try to do everything in my power to stop you from slap fighting. <laughs> well, you don't have to do much cause I'm not interested. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I saw that, tell. I saw that announcement. I was like, Oh no, Tim, why, why are you doing this, Tim? Yeah. Why, why, why are you doing this? Remember when the, when the slap fighting first came out, you, you asked me, man, do you like it? I was like, dude, uh, it's kind of like a car crash. I like, I can't help but watch it. And that faded off real quick, man. <laughs> I think the day that I seen the Romanian girl butt slap fighting, I was like, I was like, all right, I don't need to see guys slap each other in the face anymore. I'll watch this. It's 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 a novelty, right? Like it's one of those things. Like it's you watch it on on an Instagram for two seconds. It's, it's kind of fun. good. It's just not even a good novelty, though. I mean, man, I'm I'm really surprised that Dana put so much into this. I mean, you know. Dane is a smart guy and, you know, obviously he sees some um, ROI on this or, you know, going to make it, thinks he's going to make it a big thing, but uh, I'm not seeing any love for this sport at all. And um, it's really just, it's hard to watch, man. And and like, I'm a fucking savage person. Like I watch the most fucked up shit you can (laughs) imagine, but 
but that shit like it just doesn't excite me at all. I think it's weird because Dana Dana White, you know, for all we could sit here and say about him, and I've always actually had a pretty good relationship with Dana. Like anytime I see Dana, I'll never forget one time I was actually it was your fight when you fought Eric Silva in Cincinnati. Uh, obviously, I'm from Cincinnati, so I was just like hanging around town. Like after we got done with like a media thing, I went out into Hyde Park. You know where Hyde Park is. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone not listening, it's like a suburb. Like out, it's in Cincinnati, but it's a suburb of Cincinnati. It's not like in downtown. So I escaped downtown and I went to. Go go get some food because I used to live in Hyde Park and I'm out there getting food and I'm standing in line waiting for food and somebody taps me on the shoulder like what the fuck are you doing here and I turned around it was Dana just messing with me like he was out there getting food too because he knew don't stay downtown go outside and so he's there you know chit-chatting you know whatever I've always got along with Dana I don't you know do I have grievances with Dana over some of the things he does and says sure but ultimately I've always had a good relationship but here's the thing that I don't understand Dana might have one of the best minds for mixed martial arts. I mean, he changed the sport and he continues to revolutionize the sport on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. I think we can all agree on that, right? And I'm not taking away credit from Lorenzo Fertitta and from Joe Silva and other people that have been around that have been huge parts of the building this sport, right? But Dana is a brilliant mind when it comes to, to UFC. No one can deny that. If you do, you're just you're just being a hater, right? Like you're just being a hater at that point. But he's ha- always had this weird thing about wanting to branch out another business. He tried to do that ultimate surfing competition. He tried to do the the one boxing reality show. Do you remember that a few years ago? Like he did a boxing mm. reality show and mm. like none of these things have really panned out. Now, again, I'm not faulting him for it. And, and slap fighting seems to be his newest thing, but I'm not faulting him for having ambition to do different things. I don't I don't focus 100% of my time on MMA. I get it. But it's just so funny like he has obviously the you know one of the best if well clearly the UFC is the biggest, but he is the best at what he does in one thing, but it seems like he's struggled with other things like slap fighting is just kind of like the latest thing and I'm just like I don't get it. Like and I'm not faulting him for wanting to branch out and do different things, but this is one where I'm just like I don't get this. Like the surfing competition I got cuz Surfing's been around forever, and maybe people just don't want to watch it on TV, but I get it. Like, I understand the fascination with surfing. I've been to Hawaii. I know how people love surfing. Slap fighting, though, I'm like, I don't understand this. I don't get the novelty in this. Yeah, I don't get it. And, you know, it's it's tough always. Anytime, you know, you got to commend Dana for having the balls. Like, anytime you bring in something totally new, like slap fighting or um, the boxing league that he was trying to do, like, those are completely innovative ideas, right? Those aren't thing like you're not like you're trying to reinvent the wheel right that's a tough thing to do in business so you got to commend him for having the balls to do that but um you know nine out of ten times trying to reinvent the wheel you end up failing right uh so you know again i i commend him for trying to do it but um just the slap fighting just you know to me that's just not it man that's just not the way and um I just find it hard to watch. You know, that's all it comes down to, right? It's just hard to watch, man. Like, like what, why are these people doing this to themselves? Like what it reminds me of, um, world's deadliest catch, you know, like <laughs> there's people out on the boat. Like, I just feel bad for them. Like, like, dude, you probably just got out of jail last month and you know, you're addicted <laughs> to, to crack or something. And you're, you're out there doing this so you can get your meth for the month or something like like you don't want to be doing this. You know, I just feel bad for the people. And it's the same with the slap fighting. Like, like what's motivating you to do this? You know, there's, I don't think the pace that high or and there's not like uh, any prestige to it. You know, it's just like people on their last leg trying to, I don't know, pay their court fines or something. It feels like, 
Yeah, it's so funny. People like to people like to bag on bare knuckle fighting, which I actually really like BKFC. Like I've really enjoyed their shows. They have a big show coming up in a couple of weeks with Luke Rockhold, Mike Perry, and uh, that's next weekend actually. Mike Perry, Chad Mendez, Eddie Alvarez. They get good production. I've talked. I've interviewed Dave Feldman, the president, many many times, and. I like bare knuckle. People say it's brutal, but it's brutal because of the cuts. It's not because people are taking extra brain damage yeah. or, or it's just because of the cuts. It's not because, and they did a study a couple of years ago where they said like the, the concussion rate in bare knuckles actually lower than mixed martial yeah. arts and boxing. It's the hand breaks and the, and the, and the, you know, the, the contusions, the cuts, like that's ultimately, and, and I get it. Like and we, we don't, I don't, I don't, I won't, uh, start talking about damage again. We always talk about damage, like the cuts on the face somehow it equates to damage, which is ridiculous. But, um, that's what people, that's what people freak out about bare knuckle. It's not the bare knuckles more dangerous. It's just because people get cut up more often. And so it looks worse. It's yeah. not actually worse. It just looks worse because cuts and things like that. But I actually enjoy BKFC. I don't think it's, I don't think it's too brutal. And if you don't like it, that's fine. But like that, I get Slap fighting, I don't. I just don't understand the novelty and just standing there letting anyone slap the piss out of you for, you know, any amount of I'm sorry. Like, I just, dude, I just, I don't have it in me. Like, and it's just like watching dudes get absolutely blasted and then just falling backwards onto the ground. I'm just like, yeah, that, this ain't for me. Like, this is, I don't know. Like I said, I've seen, I've seen plenty of mismatches in MMA and I'm like, man, this is not going to go well. And it doesn't go well, but at least the other guy was able to defend himself. Like for a little bit, he was able to defend himself until he got knocked out or got caught in a submission or whatever that just standing there, let someone hit you. That never, that just doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't sit with me. No, that's exactly right, man. The, and the the bare knuckles actually, you know, it's pretty legit, man. They did a, they, uh, on top of that. Say they they did studies also when wearing um, headgear, you know, is bad for you. You know, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually heard that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I believe that's why they removed it from the Olympics when amateur boxing, right? Like, is um, you know because it's it's not the blunt impact that affects you as much as the resonance. So the more padding you have in between, the more resonance. So, you know, just like uh, football players, that's why they get CTE so much and concussions and stuff. Like there's so much resonance with all that padding. So yeah, the bare knuckle is actually totally safe. I mean, the, they break their hands more than they do their faces. You know, like you said, they just get lacerations and lots of stitches and it looks really bad, you know, but, but it's not like any more dangerous by any means. And, I would love to see bare knuckle MMA. I mean, maybe I'm going to have to start my own promotion one day. <laughs> Masvidal, Masvidal did it for like one event and then he kind of went back and did other things that I thought it was interesting. He had a, I think he had like one event for bare knuckle MMA, but yeah, it would be interesting dude. I, and I mean, this is a compliment. Like I like, obviously you're a UFC fighter. You've been there, but like if I think of one dude who would have been built for bare knuckle, it's Matt Brown. Could you imagine? Although, although bare knuckle MMA is better because if you give Matt Brown bare knuckles and elbows, Oh boy, that's a lot of fun. That's a lot of fun. Now you're talking. Yeah. Bare knuckle actually, uh, BKFC, they made me an offer and it just wasn't enough for me. I mean, um, it was a good offer, solid. Like I, I talked to Dave for a little bit. He's a cool guy. Um, you know, he certainly knows what he's doing, but, um, you know, it did, it didn't overly excite me either, you know, just the sport in itself in general. Yeah. So that was this when you were like in free agency or was it more recently or, um, I don't remember when it was, when, <laughs> you know, but, yeah. but I, I've, I've never been in free agency actually. Like I've, yeah, I was going to say, I didn't think you were. Yeah. I've signed with the UFC every single time, uh, before my contract's up. Um, they've always, you know, treated me pretty well, gave me good contracts. Um, you know, what they always do is they wait until 
um, I'm coming off a loss, you know, <laughs> like, like, unfortunately I haven't had, it's been a while since I've had a long win streak and they always get me right after a loss. And they're like, Hey, we're going to give you a raise and this is what we're going to give you. And I'm like, well, all right, I'll take it. <laughs> when you're coming off a loss, it's like, what can you even say, you know? Yeah. I mean, every, like I said, everyone's got their own way about it and I get it. And like I said, yeah. BKFC seems like it's a good opportunity for some people. I, I talked to Chad Mendez and Chad said, yeah, he's making far more for his fight with Eddie Alvarez than he ever did for any one fight in the UFC. Like even when he fought Aldo for the yeah. title, like nothing close to that. And I think, I think Rockhold said he's making as much now as he did in the old days when Lorenzo was around and they would give him those backroom bonuses of like, you know, a lot of money, like not now where you might get a couple grand, like he gave him like a big, you know, like a, you know, a bag of money. Uh, and he's like, that's back to where I'm at now to where I, where I am in BKFC. And I'm like, good for you. If you're enjoying it and you're, and you're, and you're having fun and you're making money. Like we, here's the thing. I say this all the time. We need PFL. We need Bellator. We need BKFC. We need options because that's only how pay is going to get better for everybody. You know what I mean? If there's an option, if somebody can yeah. say, Hey, like Shane Burgos just had a loss this past weekend in his PFL debut, but he saw the opportunity PFL offered him a bag of money and said, Hey, come over here and also have the opportunity to fight for a million dollars. And it was more than the UFC could pay him. So he went and that we need that. Like we need that. We need those organizations around because if it's only one, then they control the market right now, the UFC, while they are still the biggest and they absolutely are still the biggest, there is a market where a guy can go or like an Anthony Pettis, who is a star. We all know Anthony Pettis is a star. He could have probably gone back to the UFC, but he said, you know, I'm going to go to PFL. They're going to pay me a boatload of money and I have a chance to win a million dollars. And I also have the freedom to do the boxing thing and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, we need that in this sport. Yeah. The more the merrier. Yeah, I agree. So yeah. So no BKFC for Matt though. That's uh no, like I said, it, it doesn't like overly excite me anyway. Like I'm, I've never been too excited to box. Like everybody always wants to talk about boxing. I think I just tweeted the other day. Like I was like, can we do an influencer Muay Thai fight? Like can, <laughs> can I fight one of these fucking dork influencers in a Muay Thai fight and, you know, still get paid the same, which I'm sure it wouldn't, but I'm like, then I'd be all about it. Like if I can elbow you in the face and clinch you and knee you and sweep you and shit, I'm fucking down, man. But you will put on some like, 10 or 12 ounce boxing gloves and limit my weapons that I've been honing for all these years. Like it's fucking stupid, man. Like, I mean, I do it for the paycheck. Right. But you know, I'm not a boxer. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. It's funny. I actually saw, I interviewed uh, Chachri Sityatong from your one championship. They're having their debut here in a couple of weeks here in the United States, the week before your fight. And uh, I was talking to him. I was like, dude, I was never like, I was never a big Muay Thai guy. Like I just, I've tried, I watched lion fights back in the day and it was okay. I just couldn't get into it. But then when they started introducing four ounce glove Muay Thai in one championship, I was like, hell yeah. Now this I can get behind. Like that was fun to watch four ounce glove Muay Thai. I was like, now I'm, now I'm on board. I'm surprised. That's the thing that <laughs> they got you on board with. I, Cause uh, I mean, first I, I, you got to commend Chatri man and, and one FC what they're doing. They've brought Muay Thai they've probably amplified the mainstream presence of Muay Thai 10 times since they have uh, started doing it in one FC. And uh, I mean, guys like Liam Harrison and Rod Tang, and you know, these guys are at least in the combat sports world. They're like, they're kind of household names now, right? Like these guys that you probably wouldn't even have heard of them. If it, you know, if Rod, when Rod Tang, he was fighting in the stadiums, like no one knew who he was in the States, you know, uh, or Liam Harrison, you know, um, I mean, there, and there's a few others, John Haggerty and, you know, but all, like, 
I could sit here and have this conversation with you talking about these guys, and you know exactly who I'm talking about right now. Five years ago, if I mentioned Liam Harrison or Rod Tank, you would have no idea who I was talking about. None whatsoever. I'm not going to lie to you. I have absolutely no idea who they are. And now um, now I do. Now I know who they are, thanks to one championship. And also, don't forget, some couple of these guys are doing uh, bare knuckle, too, now. <laughs> A couple of the Muay Thai legends doing bare knuckle, have too. Have they actually done it? I haven't. I, I keep yeah. seeing everybody. I keep seeing them post about doing it, but I haven't seen him actually do it. They both fought with the two guys fought once each. And then now they're supposed to fight Ew. each other. Um, oh God. Why am I not thinking the names here? You're putting me on the spot here. Talking about me knowing names. And now I can't remember. <laughs> uh, hold on here. Uh, where's it at? BKSC. Hold on. Pull up the old email here. Uh, let's see. Where are we at? I know that there are, who are the two? I know one of them, you know, because we talked about it before and I can't remember who it was. Um, why am I just drawing a complete blank on here? Um, God, it's one of the most famous Muay Thai guys of all time. Why am I not remembering the name? I know Sanchai and Bukow were talking that's about That's the one. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, they both did it. That's that's who it is. Sanchai and Bukow. That's who it is. Bukow. That's who it is. Yeah. They both yeah, did it. They, they, no, they both they fought never, once. They both fought once and they won. Uh, and now they're supposed to fight each other this year. In bare knuckle boxing? Bare knuckle. Yeah, BKFC. Oh, how did I not see this? Yeah, yeah, they're supposed to fight this year sometime. I don't know when, but I know they're supposed to fight. Yeah, I know that they were talking about, but like, you know, they're friends. Like, I, I figured that was like just kind of a joke, you know? No, as far as I, I mean, who knows? I, I haven't seen an official announcement about it, but I know they were talking about doing it this year. So, yeah. Well, yeah, that's there pretty you go. cool. You know, even guys like that, man, like, like Bukan, Sanchai, who, you know, aren't in 1FC, but it just brings them more prominence, too. You know? 100%. And, and a, a guy like Sanchai, he fucking deserves it, man. Or Bukan also. I mean, God, dude, Sanchai's got like 400 fights, and he's probably the – he might be the greatest Muay Thai fighter we've ever seen. I, I still rank Samar above him, but – you know, he's got to be, you know, he's in the top like two or three ever. Like you don't have 400 fights. I mean, if you watch him fight these foreigners, I mean, he just makes jokes out of them. He lo he looks like, you know, he fights guys out of his weight class, two, three weight classes bigger. And he makes them look like they've never even fought before. And these are like really good professionals. So, and, you know, these guys deserve, um, I mean, they should be as popular as Conor McGregor, you know, um, unfortunately, for whatever reason, Muay Thai just doesn't catch on like that. Yeah, it's weird. It's it's huge. Obviously, it's huge in certain parts of the world, but it's just never caught on. And it's weird because while soccer, football to the rest of the world, soccer like has you know is the most popular global sport, and it's it's definitely gotten more popular here in the states. Like it seems like while boxing is huge and things like that, like it seems like the United States is always like the, the, the golden jewel, so to speak of combat sports that like you want to conquer here. Like you can be a huge star in the UK, but to be a real big star, you got to come do it in the U S like, I remember when Anthony Joshua was coming up and they're like, yeah, he's Anthony Joshua. He sells out Wembley stadium, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, but bring him over to the United States. Like, how's he going to do over here? Like that's the metric. Yeah. Like, Tyson Fury is a legitimate star over here. Like he's well known regardless of being from England or whatever. Um, the United States is always the crown jewel and, and Muay Thai and kickboxing have just never found a home here. Like they've never, they've tried glory's done events here. I think I, I went to a K one event in Vegas back in the day. Uh, you know, lions fights. Like I, they just, it's just, they're just, it's for, just for whatever reason, people are into boxing and MMA here and that's it. Like they don't they're And you know, I mean, obviously to a certain extent, like you could group in wrestling has an audience obviously here in colleges and, and to a certain extent, Olympic level and grappling, I think has a certain attraction to a certain level here with jujitsu, but 
Muay Thai kickboxing, it's been tried dozens of times and it just never seems to work here. Yeah, and I do think there's some people out there doing some good things, trying to bring it up, and uh, there's still some good organizations out there. And um, So, you know, I don't think it's dead yet. Like, it still has that chance, but um, it's going to take a, a lot of uh, great infrastructure, a lot of money, and it needs, like, a Dana White. Like, I wish Dana White would, instead of investing in Power Slap, like, he should invest in Muay Thai promotion, right? Like, that has the potential to be big. Um, and it does, you don't even have to call it Muay Thai, you know, just, you can call it whatever you want, you know, but again, one FC, you know, they're, they're making their way over to the States and, you know, um, they have a legitimate shot of turning it into something big over here. You know, I think, uh, one FC in general has a lot of room to grow in the States. Um, they're obviously big over in Asia already. And if they get big here, then they're going to bring Muay Thai with it. And again, I commend Chatri Sitcha Tong for all the things that he's doing to bring up the Muay Thai. And um, it, like you, like you said, man, if he builds it in the states, it's going to be it's going to take off and it's going to be ginormous. Well, here's what one is doing well, and I complimented Chatri on this when we spoke. They they're mixing it in with MMA fights, like their yeah. their card their card coming up in Colorado is headlined. By Demetrius Johnson and Adriana Marais. Everyone knows Demetrius. You know, boom, you got there. But they also have a they have a Muay Thai fight as the co-main. They have a grappling match on there. And then they obviously have other MMA fights. Like, that's that's what it was with me. That's what it was. I watched Lion Fights events, and I just really didn't get into it. But then I saw, I'll never forget, I watched Joe Natawat fighting four-ounce gloves in Muay Thai as part of a one-championship event. It was just one of, like, you know, eight fights or six fights or whatever on the main card. And dude just flattened somebody with the four ounce gloves. Like, oh my God, that was fun to watch. And then we moved right into an MMA fight. I think that might be the key. Now we'll find out once one championship comes here and they start doing more events. But the Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. I think that's the The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity— but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. 
That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. The key is like, it's almost like a little bit of sugar with your medicine. You know what I mean? Like you don't, you don't, you're, you're probably not going to draw people into a 10 fight Muay Thai card right away. But if you say, Hey, we got Demetrius Johnson here, but we also got Rod Tang fighting in the co-main event. Now watch how badass Rod Tang is. I think that's the way you're going to draw people in. Yeah, that's a smart way to do it. They tell you that being that they use the same cage and they're in four ounce gloves and all that, it kind of feels like you're watching an MMA fight. They're just not taking each other down. Yeah, you want to talk about some vicious kickers and freaking Muay Thai? Holy crap, dude! The way they the way they rattle off kicks in Muay Thai sometimes it hurts me. Like when I see and Rod Tang's a little dude. He ain't. It's not like he's a heavyweight Muay Thai guy. He's a little guy, but my god, they crack off some kicks in that sport. And man, um, it was speaking of you know that Edson Barboza, he's the only guy <sighs> that kicks like that in MMA that I've seen. Man, I mean, some of the guys got good leg kicks like Justin Gagey, and um, you know some some guys like Wonder Boy has wild kicks all around. Um, I feel like my, um, I have some pretty good kicks myself. I like to think, but, uh, boy, Edson Barboza, he does it straight Muay Thai style. And when he throws a kick every single time, you're like, Oh, is that it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Is that the one that's going to end this fight? He just, the way he throws them, like he's stopped like three opponents with leg kicks, like, and not like the, not the old school, like calf kicks, which everyone talks about calf kicks these days. He just does the old school leg and he just, uh, I mean, he would just destroy people. You know what I mean? Like I said it last night privately to some people after he won that huge knee knockout over uh, over Corintillo, over Billy Corintillo. I said, "All right, Edson's of a certain age now. He's like thirty-seven. He's a veteran. I think we've all. I think we can all probably agree he's probably not going to be a champion. Like it's probably not there for him. He's had too many. You know, in the, in the featherweight division, probably not going to happen for him. I don't want to write anybody off, but it seems like the, it's not in the cards for him to be a UFC champion, and that's okay because not everyone's going to be a UFC champion." Put him in there with nothing but strikers. I want to see this dude go out there and style. And I'm not, I understand it's MMA, and I understand takedowns are part of it. I don't want to take that away. But, dude, I want to see more of that because watching him do that last night, I jumped out of my chair. I was like, oh, my God, that was that was class against Barbosa. Yeah, it's nasty, right? And I actually – he's one of those guys, man, like the way he looked last night. Like, I, it, it, he could surprise us all and come back and be at least fighting for the title if not winning the title. Like – that guy, he is something special, I think. Talk about writing people off. People try to write off Max Holloway because he lost Alexander Volkanovsky three times. Yep. And I said to the world, y'all crazy, okay? Yes, he lost Alexander Volkanovsky. Guess what? Alexander Volkanovsky is one of the best fighters on the planet right now. Maybe number number I put him number two pound for pound behind Islam. Uh, unbelievable fighter. There is no shame in losing to that guy ten times. That's just how good Alexander Volkanovsky is. Now, 
Arnold Allen had a strong showing at moments, but overall, I thought Max won the fight. I had him scored either four rounds to one or three rounds to two. Was no controversy. I thought Max definitely won the fight. That fury at the that flurry at the end where he knocked him down. I was like, oh man, this is. I was like, who's like. I, we are so quick to jump off of people off a loss. Like, I understand we're all reactionary in this sport, and it's all about, you know, you're only as good as your last fight. I get all that mentality. But I also hate it because he had one loss to, to the best featherweight in the world, and suddenly Max Holloway's on the downward slide. He's 31. Like, he, yeah, he's been around yeah. forever. He's been fighting since he's 16. I understand he has probably more wear and tear than the average 31-year-old. Like, I think they, I think Shogun was like 36 or whatever. I was like, uh, are we sure Shogun's actually 36? I was like, I think he's more like 56. Um, <laughs> but, like, I understand Max has been around. He has more wear and, tear on, wear and tear on his body. But, dude, like, he's a monster, and he proved it again last night. Like, you don't count that guy out. Like, yeah, there will be a, there, a day will come. When maybe he will slow down, but losing to Alexander Volkanovsky is not proof to me that Max Holloway is slowing down. And if he didn't prove it last night, I don't know what would, because the way that he looked last night was absolutely phenomenal, man. I thought uh, you wrote that article said vintage Max Holloway, and and that I thought that put it very well. But I would even add that it, it was a polished version of his vintage, because um, man, he just looks so sharp. Through and through, and I thought Arnold Arnold Allen fought even better than I expected him to. I thought that you know Max would eventually start getting his rhythm um, by the third, fourth round, and it would kind of look like the uh, Calvin Qatar fight. And um, but he never let Max get into a, a full rhythm, and he kept pushing and pushing, and he worked his ass off to, for that win. And I almost wanted to give him the win just because he worked so hard for it and he <laughs> wanted it so bad and he tried so hard. But Max was just a step ahead the whole time. And, you know, Max stood in there and traded with him when it was time to trade. He stayed out when it was time to stay out. You know, he just set the rhythm of the fight, the pace of the fight, and he just looked fantastic, man. Um, nothing but good things to say about Max Holloway. And, um, you know, and just what a great guy too, man. Like he, you know, I've hung out with him a few times. He's just a phenomenal person and um, just looked absolutely fantastic. And I could see him come back and beating anybody, man. Like you said, losing to Alexander Vol- Volkanovsky, there's no shame to that. Like Volkanovsky is just that fucking good. If that's what that should say, not that Max was on a slide, it's that Volk is that fucking good. <sighs> Yeah, exactly. And that's what drives me crazy. It's like we talked about Robert Whitaker before. It's like Robert Whitaker is the number two middleweight in the sport. Like, in my opinion, like he is the second best guy. He just happens to have a motherfucker in front of him in Israel Adesanya. Like, that's just the nature yeah. of the beast. Like, you know, and, and Whitaker's proven it. he's beaten every other middleweight he's fought. Like, he's beaten everybody. And I think that's going to be Max. Like, yeah, Max may have a bit of a roadblock with Alexander Volkanovsky. Although, again, their second fight, I thought Max won. Like, that's not a knock on Alex. Like, I thought Max won their second fight. Now, again, the third fight there was no doubt that was a, a pretty much a shutout for for Volkanovsky but uh who's to say you know who's to say like we just saw you know Israel had four fights he got it done against Pereira I I tweeted last night uh, Matt and I believe this I said it's Alexander Volkanovsky it's Max Holloway and it's everybody else like that's yeah. the featherweight division to me yeah it's it's unfortunate for everybody else because they got two of the best ever <laughs> right there at the top and uh you know it's unfortunate for Max that he's got probably the best ever right there in front of him, you know, but yeah, dude, I mean, I'm ex- Arnold Allen's still a young guy too. That's the one thing we got to remember. Cause that guy 
if he cleans a few things up, I think he can come back and beat. Um, he could be the champion at some point. He's got a lot of cleaning up to do. He's got some uh, some polishing to do. He needs to refine some things. Um, but he looked phenomenal, I thought, also. I thought uh, he looked even better than I expect him to. I thought Max just threw him off a lot, especially with the stance switches. Um, he was just able to uh, set the pace where and Arnold just couldn't keep up um, you know, what was working like every now and then it would work for him. Like some of those flurries and the hard core, uh, come forward pressure. And he just couldn't keep that up, which is, uh, you know, I think Marab is the only guy who can keep that up, but you know, <laughs> there's very few that can. So, um, but I seen a lot of flashes of brilliance in Arnold Allen where, you know, he's going to be a top contender for a long time. And if, and he's got a good team around him where he can go clean some things up and, really make another run for it i think it's kind of it kind of reminds me a little bit about yair rodriguez like yair had that loss to frankie and that was a bad one he got taken down and beaten up on the ground then he had that battle with max and it was a lot closer than people thought it was going to be like people thought max was just going to outclass him and yair made it a tough fight like yes max definitely won by by yair and then yair's come back and now he's an interim champion now do i pick yair to beat volkanovsky no i don't think anybody beats volkanovsky right now but sometimes these losses are the way you get better like that's the the fight that you need to get you to yeah. clean up the few the few mistakes in your game the things that you need to clean up you clean up and you come back better and i think that's what arnold, arnold allen's going to take away from this fight like i don't think this is a a huge step back he lost to a better fighter that night uh, and Max Holloway is a bad, uh, just a bad matchup for a lot of people. Um, but that just means he can come back better, you know. And I like, I no, think that's just the nature of nature of the sport. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And a lot, you know, he was undefeated, right? So all the things that had worked against everyone else suddenly didn't work against Max Holloway. So you know, he wasn't trying to fix what wasn't broken, um, but now it's broken, and he knows, you know, uh, he, you know, there is more that he needs to do to get to the top. Um, and I think. Um, uh, you know, speaking of Yair and Volk, that is going to be a fucking fight, man. Because because the other thing too is, dude, Yair is gigantic. He is, and Volk is short. Like that's going to be a, I think it's going to be a way tougher fight for Volkanovski um, than maybe anyone else. Like I, I actually. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to watch uh, both of them fight a few more times. Like I might take Yair for that fight. Like Yair, just stylistically, I think is gonna cause Volk a lot more problems. Um, well, I mean, I I, I don't know. I, I think he's gonna cause him a lot of fucking problems, man. What I like about Yair is his creativity. You know, his of creativity course, yeah. is so good in there. Like he's so he's so he's a lot of ways. Like I think obviously it's different the way he does it, but like inventive in the way that like I love watching Edson Barbosa fight when Edson throws the spinning kicks and the wheel kicks and the knees out of nowhere. Yair will throw backwards elbows and spinning elbows and upward elbows like he caught the Korean zombie with, and he's very creative in there. He's big, he's long, he's strong. Um, again, and I just like I said, I pick Alexander Volkanovsky because I just can't pick him to be. I can't pick him to lose anybody right now. Like I just think Volkanovsky's on another level when it comes to featherweight. Uh, I would pick him to beat everyone at Featherway right now. Now there will, maybe there will come a day when I'm wrong and maybe I the guy to do it. Um, but I just, I can't pick against Volkanovsky, but I agree. I is very, I is creative. And also 
what we saw in the fight with Emmett, how you're trusting his power, man. He went after Emmett and just like, yeah. he threw it. Emmett, Emmett hits like a truck, dude. That's one guy you got to be careful of with Emmett because Emmett hits you with one right hand and you're going to be face first on the canvas. Yair went in there and said, you know what? I'm going to match my power with your power. We're going to see who's going to go down. And Yair yeah, beat him. Yeah. I was like, damn. I was like, that was good. That was a bit of an eye-opening performance because I thought, I thought Yair would out finesse him. I didn't think he would go in there and just, trade and he did and he beat him i was like oh my god that's a that was a jaw-dropping performance from yair no that's it and what i've seen in that fight also was we know we all know that yair has been creative and has done you know these crazy spinning moves and you know the crazy up elbow versus um uh zombie you know he we, we all knew that he was capable of those things and i think he's relied on those for a long time and they've gotten him very far but when he fought emmett he actually looked very sharp and used a lot of fundamental basic tools too. And I tell that to all my fighters coming up that, um, you know, I got a couple guys particularly throw a lot of spinning stuff. And I, I tell them, look, you have to know the rules to break them. And I feel like Yair was breaking all the rules, getting away with it. And then he lost a couple of times and kind of went back to his fundamentals. And now he's playing the rules very well. So when, um, when you're playing the rules and then you start breaking them, that can cause a guy a lot of problems. And so with all that said, and then his athleticism, his speed, his height, and his power, I might end up taking him over Volkanovski. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. I'm not taking that pick right now, but I might take that. Yeah. Talk about high level, Matt. You know, we talk about high level fights. I mean, doesn't get much more high level than another fight announcement that came out this week. I know you were looking forward to probably the, the fight of the year. Jake Paul and Nate Diaz in a boxing match. That's as high level boxing as you're going to get. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking I'm, stoked at him. <laughs> I'm getting a boner right now. I'm, I'm joking, obviously. I, you know what? It's funny. Listen, here's the thing. I said it when it got announced, dude. I'm so happy for Nate. Nate took a chance on himself, risked it, you know, leaving the UFC. There's a bit of comfort there. Nate was a star. I'm sure he was getting paid well. Um, you know, there was always other things he could have been doing in the UFC and making money, whatever, but he took this chance to bet on himself. He's now a co-promoter with Jake Paul. Um, here's the one thing I'll say about this. And I know we talked about this after the Tommy Fury fight. We were both kind of praising Tommy Fury and, and, and you know, we both agreed that like it wasn't done for Jake Paul just he lost one fight. But the fact that he went to Nate Diaz and not back to the Tommy Fury fight, I still, to the, I'll say it 100%, I still like Jake Paul. I like what Jake Paul speaks about. And I, I, am all, I am all for Jake Paul finding success in any combat sport that he's doing. But the fact that he, and I don't, and I don't know the behind-the-scenes negotiations, Matt. I don't know if maybe they tried to get the Tommy Fury rematch. Maybe Tommy's like, I want to take some time off with my family. I don't want to fight in August. I don't know. I'm just looking at the, the surface level. The fact that he went back to Nate Diaz and that's the fight he's got in August just says to me, Jake is going to be an influencer boxer and that's all. And that's okay. I'm not knocking him for that. I hope he fights every former MMA fighter or UFC fighter ever. I hope he fights Diaz and I hope after this one he fights, you know, whoever. I don't care. Whatever. But I think we can stop. Not that anyone, not, I know you weren't. I know no one was like, oh my God, Jake Paul, like, you know, he's going to be a champion one day, all that kind of stuff. I, I always said, slow down on that. But Jake always talked about that. I'm going to be a champion. I'm going to be Canelo. And again, we all kind of shook our heads and laughed at that kind of stuff. But at this point, dude, lean into the influencer thing. It's okay. Fight Nate Diaz, fight KSI, fight, you know, whatever. But that, that's who you are. And to me, that's who he is. And I'm not, that's not a knock on him. I'm actually saying good for you. Like him and Nate 
are probably going to get paid a bunch of money. It's on DAZN. They got a good you know, pay-per-view partner. Everyone's going to be watching except me. I'm actually going to be at a concert that night, so I'm actually not going to watch the fight live when it happens. Um, but yeah, like, I, I don't know. Like, am I wrong in thinking? Like, I, I understand, like, yeah, he can move up. But, like, come on. At this point, like, he had a, a, a real boxer in Tommy Fury, quote unquote. And I say that because Tommy wasn't exactly the most experienced guy in the world. But he fought Tommy Fury. He lost. He went back to Nate Diaz. This is what it is. Like, this is who Jake Paul is. I'm not faulting him for it. I'm just saying, like, this is who Jake Paul's going to be. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's an interesting matchup. Good, like you said, good for Nate, man. You know, he got a, a big payday. It's certainly going to be a big payday for him. Um, but, Damon, did you feel like I did? Like, so when I seen the announcement, I wasn't shocked. I wasn't surprised. I wasn't excited. I wasn't anything. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> I was, here's the two things. I was a little, I was a little surprised in the fact that it wasn't the Tommy rematch. Cause I thought he was going to run it back. Like I thought he really wanted that rematch and I don't fault him for moving to Nate Diaz because no offense to Tommy Fury. This is a bigger fight. Nate's a bigger star, right? Like Jake has been, the A side in every fight he's had, right? Like he's been the bigger star. Like I love Tyron Woodley. Tyron Woodley was never a massive star. He's a name, absolutely a name, former UFC champion, all those kind of things. But Tyron was never like the guy who sold 800,000 pay-per-views just because he was fighting, right? Um, ben Askren, same kind of thing. Uh, and, and obviously Tommy Fury was, was famous because of his reality show and his last name. It wasn't like people were clamoring to spend $50 to watch Tommy Fury. This time, Jake actually has a legitimate A-side against him, right? Like, Nate Diaz is a bigger star than anyone he's ever fought. So now it's like two legitimate A-sides fighting each other. And, you know, good for them. But that's – and so, again, he can still run it back with Tommy down the road. I'm not saying he won't. But I'm saying the fact that he had that rematch clause put into his contract, he lost – and then he he was banging the drum for like 24 hours. Got to run it back. Got to run it back. Got to run it back. And I don't know the behind the scenes. I don't know what happened. I don't know if maybe Tommy just didn't want to fight. I don't know that. But the fact that this is in August, so it's several months away, tells me that this was just the bigger opportunity. And he's right. It is bigger than Tommy Fury. And it's also, no offense to Nate Diaz, it's a less risky fight. Nate Diaz is a lightweight. This is a 185-pound fight. The risk yeah, is much lower. Yeah. It's a yeah. much lower risk fight. Nate Diaz to fight Tommy Fury. Cause if he loses to Tommy Fury again, Jake still doesn't go away, but any, but Jake's chances of ever getting a big boxing, like an actual boxing match. How are pretty much done at that point. Tommy Fury is not the, the, the gold standard of boxing. You know what I mean? You lose to him twice. You are now only going to be the influencer guy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Nate yep. Diaz, so Nate Diaz is a Jake Paul, right? Yeah, Nate Diaz is a, is an easier fight than than Tommy running it back. Uh, it's more money probably because again, Tommy's not really a star. Less risk. Um, but again, to me, the book is written now, and I I understand he's a young guy, twenty six or whatever. But yeah, he didn't. He wanted he wanted this fight with Nate Diaz. Kudos to him. But this is who he is. He's gonna be the guy. He's gonna fight Nate Diaz. Maybe he'll fight KSI. And make a lot of money and good for him. Maybe he'll fight some other random UFC person who gets released or leaves the UFC. Maybe he'll fight Luke Rockhold after he does BKFC or something like that. I'm, I'm cool with all that. But you are, this is who he is, is all I'm saying. Like, this is who he is. This is who yeah. Jake Paul is going to be. Yeah. Can we just see them fight in MMA? <laughs> Nate and uh, 
Nate and Jake since <laughs> Jake's part of PFL now, right? So yeah, it, he is. Yeah, no matter who wins, like let's have a rematch in MMA. Do you uh, do you give Nate a great chance in this fight? You know, it's hard, man. Um, I mean, he has good boxing, but he's very hittable, and he's so much smaller than Jake. And Jake does have a good right hand. Um, that's how he's been knocking people out. And um, as a hittable southpaw, that's a bad for Nate. <laughs> that's about all I can say. You know, I, I'm 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 going to pick Jake Paul to win this fight. So. Um, but you know the the big thing is that Nate has going for him is the cardio, right? The same in MMA, right? When he fights guys in MMA, that cardio advantage is absolutely huge. So if he can survive uh, four or five rounds or three or four rounds, is an eight round fight, I think. So if he can just survive a few and just start wearing them out, that's where his best chance is. But yeah, I'm I, I think everybody's gonna be hard pressed to pick Nate for this fight. Yeah, I mean, listen, he's got a lot of disadvantages, right? He's given up, you know, he's a lightweight. I mean, yes, I know Nate fought at welterweight, but Nate was not even a natural welterweight. Like, he just wasn't. Like, I, right. you know, um, now he's going up another 15 pounds against the guy who's cutting weight to get to 185. You know, Jake right. is bigger than 185. He's cutting down to 185. He's obviously going to have more power. Do I agree in the cardio? Yeah, Jake's had some issues with his cardio. We've seen him kind of wait, you know, kind of fade a little bit in later fights, uh, later in fights, but. Yeah, I mean, this is. I said this after he beat Anderson Silva. I said I think he'd be a five to one favorite over Nate, and obviously the odds are a lot closer. I say I think they're like two to one or three to one now, but he's still a big favorite. And I love Nate, man. I hope Nate gets paid a boatload of money for this. I hope he walks away with eight figures and all that kind of stuff. But realistically, I don't think this is a great matchup. Nate's Nate's taken a lot of damage over the years. You know, we can't deny that he's he's got a lot of there's a lot of miles on those tires. Um you know, one good right hand, and and that could be it. And and listen, that's okay. There's not. I hope he gets paid a you know a billion dollars for it. Um, but my bigger point: Am I wrong in thinking this is who Jake is though? Like Jake's gonna fight the Nate Diaz's of the world. He's gonna fight Nate. He's gonna fight KSI. He's maybe gonna fight Tommy Fury at some point down the road. He's gonna fight. I don't know who else these influencers are. I don't pay attention to influencer boxing that much unless Jake Paul's fighting or Logan Paul, I guess. Um, This is who Jake is, and I'm fine with that. But I think at this point we need to just be realistic about it. Like, this is who Jake Paul is. Yeah, he certainly is right now. And, you know, who knows? You know, I mean, you know, maybe he could get some more experience and start actually, uh, you know, being a real boxer. You know, maybe get three or four fights and then go fight Tommy again. And yeah, we'll see where that goes. I mean, I have no idea, you know, but um, good for him, you know, cash it in while he can, right? Like he's definitely striking while the iron's hot. And, you know, like you said, they're going to make a lot of fucking money, man. (laughs) Like, you know, unfortunately, I'll probably end up watching the fight. When's the (laughs) the date on it? August August 5th. Yes, I have no idea what I'm doing August 5th, but (laughs) it's not going to be my priority to watch the fight. But most likely, you know, that's a lot of time to hype it up. So most likely everybody I know is going to be watching the fight. I'll probably get invited to some fucking party or something. And everybody's going to be like, oh, you, why don't you fight Jake Paul and, you know, all this shit. And, you know, so probably end up watching the damn fight. But um, in the meantime, I could really care less, you know. Um, I hope Nate can go out there and beat him. But, you know, bro, you, you're put, you're giving up a lot of fucking weight, you know. Maybe that's time for Nate to bulk up, you know, maybe take some juice, man, and bulk up and you know, get close to that weight. But you know, it's just an uphill battle for him. 
Yeah, it's just like I said, and we said this after the Anderson Silva fight when he called out Nate, and we said that just that's almost like a, a step down, a step back for for Jake because Anderson yeah, is a legit middleweight, is. and Anderson is a legitimately good boxer. Now, I think Nate is a, is a good boxer. I know he trained with he's trained with Andre Ward for years. Uh, what's that Regis Poor? I can't remember how you pronounce his name. The one fighter Regis Poor was a Poor Grayus or how you pronounce his name. Um, yeah, I know Nate they've sparred. It. I know they've sparred and boxed before. So I think Nate's got like legitimately good boxing skills, and Nate's got a good shin. Nate's got good durability. Uh, obviously, volume striker uh, and great great conditioning, as you mentioned. But again, thirty pounds is thirty pounds. You know what I mean? And power's power. Yeah. Like I, you know, like I, there's a, like I said, I think like, you know, I think I think uh, I think uh, Islam Makachev is a is a phenomenal fighter. I think he's the best pound for pound guy in the world. He's 155 pounder. You throw him in there with John Jones. There's just, you know, it's just, it's just not a yeah. fair, or, or, or even you throw him in there with Yuri Prohoshka. It's just not fair. Like, it's just not a fair fight to ask him to fight or Israel Adesanya. Like, yes, I understand Islam's a, a, an unbelievable fighter, but you're also asking him to give up, you know, six inches in height, 30 pounds in weight. Like that's the reason weight classes exist. And Nate, for all intents and purposes is a lightweight. He is not true. He is not a middleweight. <laughs> Yeah, and I think in boxing, the, that weight difference makes even bigger difference, right? Because there's going to be a, a big power uh, difference. And uh, Nate's probably, I'm guessing, he's probably used to being uh, the taller man in fights, you know? And that's certainly not going to be the the case this time. So, that you know, that's going to be a, a different for him. And like I said, really the only chance I see of him winning is – is just simply wearing them out and it's harder to do in boxing than in MMA. you know, it's just simply, it's just harder to do, you know, like you, you uh, Jake will be able to block better, you know, with the uh, bigger gloves. Um, he's only got to worry about two weapons. Um, you know, just a million different things, man. And so, um, it's just an uphill battle for Nate when we talk about wins and losses, but like you said, he's getting paid, man. Good for him. He's going to fucking, retire a multimillionaire you know he's gonna have a lot of money in the bank um hopefully he doesn't waste it and blow it on something stupid but um you know good for him man yeah and, and also even though i was talking about like jake being the influencer guy and that's who he is now i, I still believe that but jake's not terrible it's not like Jake is a terrible boxer. You know right, what I mean? Like right. he's not terrible. Like he's not, obviously there's a, a wide gap between him and the best boxers in the world, but he's not bad. You know what I mean? Like he's not bad. So like putting him in there against Nate and again, MMA boxing is not boxing. Like it's just not. So as good as we can talk about Nate being a boxer in MMA, that's not boxing, not pure boxing. And that's he's, exactly right. he's just got a lot of disadvantages. I guess is what I'm getting at. Like he's going in against a guy who now has seven professional fights trained nothing but boxing for the past like three years or whatever, four years, whatever it's been for Jake Paul, power, size, weight. These are all advantages for Jake Paul. You know what I mean? And that's, As you yeah, mentioned, that's the other part that we didn't really talk about was like, I don't know if Nate's ever boxed before, like just pure boxing, um, uh, certainly in the gym. But um, when you get out under the lights, you know, it's a different thing. You know, Jake Paul's already done this uh, multiple times, eight times he said, right. Um, so now he's going to have the experience advantage. He's got the weight advantage. Uh, I'm guessing he's probably going to have the height advantage. I mean, literally every advantage is if you just, if you don't look at the names or the, um, you just look at it on paper, like Jake has every advantage. Yeah, he really does. And it's, uh, 
And like I said, I hope Nate does well. I, again, I, I know this sounds really weird to say, like, I think Jake Paul wins, but I hope Nate Diaz just cashes out. Like, I hope he makes a boatload of money. And listen, I hope in the buildup, when they start doing press conferences and stuff, dude, it's going to get fun. Nate is that kind of guy. Like, yeah. it's going to well, be actually thing, that, Right. I, again, I, I don't know how many people are actually even interested in this fight itself. <laughs> But a lot of people are going to get interested, right? Because the press conferences and all the hype and the buildup, it's going to get interesting. We know it. That's why I'll probably end up fucking watching it and wishing that I didn't, but I'll probably end up watching it. I can promise you I'm not going to buy it, but we're probably going to end up watching the son of a bitch and hoping that Nate finds a way. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Like I said, and again, you know, good for both of them. Like I said, I picked Jake to win. I think Jake will win, but I hope Nate makes a boatload of money and the buildup's going to be fun, right? Like I've been to a lot of Nate, dude, I was at the press conference when him and Connor were chucking sodas at each other. I had a, I had a, a can go whizzing by my head. If you watch replays of that thing, you can see the back of my head and you see a can go about a foot beside my head because I was sitting right in front of John Cavanaugh at the press conference. <laughs> so I was right in the middle of that bad boy. So I've been to plenty it, of Nate it did not, but it was like, it whizzed right by me because I, I was filming my phone and I was in, because where they had media, we're right in the front row. So there's like two people in front. There's like one row in front of us. That's the coaches and the teams and everything. And then there's media. And then the, the, the stage is right there. Like it's right there. So when this whole thing happened, Nate's team's behind me. So like they walked out and that's when it started. So they're back up on the ramp. Connor's on the stage and that's when they start launching at each other. And I just happened to be on the right side of the stage, right in front of John Cavanaugh. And I was like direct line of sight to Conor McGregor. So I was right there. Like it was literally like whizzing by my ears. I saw Jake Paul or Jake, uh, Jake Shields and the guys from Diaz's team start chucking. And then Connor gets up and starts launching them. And they were like right by me. It was, it was probably one of the more surreal experiences covering the sport being at that press conference. <laughs> That's so, so funny. I'm surprised it didn't hit your hair. You had a big helmet on top of you. I know, dude. I got, I got some hair, man. I got some hair there. Yeah. So yeah, it was, but yeah. So the press conferences, the, 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 the face-offs, the weigh-ins, that's all going to be a lot of fun, dude. And like I said, at that well, point, that's going to be the whole fun part of the the whole experience, right? The, again, the fight isn't even exciting. I don't care, but the buildup, I'm probably going to be more interested watching that than the fight itself. You know, it's funny. It's like, it's like the, it was very much like Connor and Floyd. Like the buildup was fun. Yeah. To a certain extent. Some of it got a little over, kind of got a little overdone, but the buildup was fun. We knew what the fight was. I had to, I had to watch just because so many idiots were like, oh, yeah, Connor's got a good chance. You know, I think he's going to win or whatever. And I was like, bro, like you're talking about Floyd here. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) So I had to watch just to, just to be like, okay, you motherfuckers. <laughs> but the buildup's fun. Like I said, that's what it's, that's the fun. And kudos to them. They rolled out. They had a poster done. They had a trailer. They got like four months to build this thing. They're, I'm sure they're going to schedule press conferences and, you know, they're going to do some sort of tour. I'm sure they're going to do a stop in Stockton and maybe do one here in Ohio for Jake or something. You know what I mean? It's going to be fun. Like it's going to, you know what I mean? Like, and that's what I've, that's what I've come to realize about this whole influencer boxer thing, dude. It's just fun. Like have fun with it. You know what I mean? Like who for cares? Sure. It's a like, little bit like WWE, right? They're like yeah. the, all the all the soap opera dramas. What's really exciting, and then they do the match, and you're like, "All right, that was cool." But you know, all the behind the scenes, the drama, the the bickering, and you know, whatever storyline is going along with it. That's what makes it fun. 
Yeah, and like I said, dude, have at it. And I think, like I said, that's I think that's one thing UFC has done really well is they built in the story factor to build fights. Because I say this to fighters all the time, and I'm sure we've had this conversation. Like, you have 15 minutes or 25 minutes in a fight to really, you know, get over with fans, but you have months leading into that to, like, you know, build up your fan base, talk and do podcasts, uh, build your brand. Like, you have your coffee brand. Do things to build yourself outside of just that 15 minutes. Like, you have 15 minutes in the cage, but take advantage of of that other time you have outside of that 15 minutes, you know what I mean? And that's where I think the UFC has succeeded where every other, you know, where we're so, and I think that's one where boxing comes up short a lot of times because my favorite, my favorite boxing thing ever besides the matches was when HBO started doing 24 seven. Yeah. That was a great show. When they did Mayweather De La Hoya, that got me into that fight. I I'm not saying that they weren't great boxers. They were obviously incredible boxers, but that series Got me so freaking hyped for that fight. Yeah, maybe that's what one needs to do with the Muay Thai guys or yeah. with somebody. Maybe that's what somebody needs to do with the Muay Thai guys. You know, they need to, they tried the reality show, the Muay Thai contender. And, you know, I don't know. I watched it, but just because <laughs> I I knew a bunch of the guys on it right, or who they were, at least. But I don't know if anybody's ever tried anything like that before with the guys in, in yeah. Muay Thai. I mean, they're, they're you know, Muay Thai guys are are pretty fascinating people too. They're a lot like wrestlers, where they're not doing it for the money and they're not doing it for all the fame and everything. Like they're doing it for the purity and they love the sport and they're doing it for the glory. So, I I, I think it'd be cool to see someone do the same thing on um, you know college wrestling or Olympic wrestling. And you know, th- there's a lot of behind. There's a lot of characters in all these sports. Yeah, the way you are for Muay Thai is the way I'm for wrestling. Like I'm the I'm the wrestling guy. Like I'm the guy who geeks out. Like when I get to talk to Kyle Snyder, I talk to Jordan Burroughs, or I talk to uh, you know I talk to um, uh, Bo Nickel when he made his debut, and I've talked to you know Bryce Merritt just fought in Bellator. He's a you know three time All American at Wyoming. Like those are the guys I'm like geeking out about because I love wrestling, dude. I freaking love wrestling. So yeah, I'm, well, I'm, I, I'm, I, I'm I, I, about the wrestling too, but yeah, I'm with, I'm with wrestling the way you are in Muay Thai. Like I'm the guy who's like, this should be so much bigger than it is. Like, it's so exciting. Yeah. But wrestling is ultimately kind of boring though. Oh, I don't like, think so. I love it. I absolutely love yeah, it. dude. When I watch, when I watched the NCAA championships, dude, it was like the most thrilling thing outside of watching a good UFC card. Yeah, when you watch the championships, not when you watch just the regular matches. Week oh, to week. I, I did. I've been to several Ohio State wrestling matches. I've gone down. They credential me as media. I've gone down and covered them, and I have a blast doing it. So, uh, yeah, I enjoy, yeah, I enjoy it. But it's not like going to a, a UFC fight. Oh That's no, it's, I mean. not, it's not. It's not. It's not. But I still, I to me, it's exhilarating. To me, it's exciting. No, uh, but it, I understand it's, it's, it's not a great to, sport, and I love watching it. But you know the. The the ones that are really exciting to watch is the the finals, right? Like that's what oh, you yeah. want to see. Well, when you see Gable Stevenson pull off a gold medal win the way he did, like tell me there's a more exciting moment in sports. Oh, like that was incredible. Yeah, yeah that was uh, fascinating. And I mean, Jordan Burroughs has had a million matches that were really really close, and he just pulls it out at the end. He's kind of known for that. Or watching Kyle Dake do one of his insane moves that he's the only person in the world that can do. Or or watch, you know, Kyle Snyder go out there and just muscle the living shit out of somebody. I mean, yeah, it's it's an amazing sport, but uh, yeah. And I, overall, though, for the most part, I find it pretty boring. 
Yeah, and I'm on the other end. I always find it exciting. But again, that's like I said, that's each their own. But I also understand it's not people just don't get into it the way they get into it. And I get it. I mean, MMA is more exciting. I'm not going to lie and sit there and say it's not. MMA is more exciting. But like, I'm always like, why isn't wrestling more popular the way you are? Why isn't Muay Thai more popular? Uh, I'm in the same way. Real quick. Muay Thai is that exciting, though. It actually (laughs) is. But but I've enjoyed, like I said, I enjoy the four ounce glove Muay Thai. For some reason, I could just never get into the other one. I don't have a good reason. I wish I had an excuse. I don't. I just never, I just didn't get it. I just didn't get that adrenaline pump the way I do for MMA. But I did with the four ounce gloves, man. Watching Joe Natawat lay out fools with four ounce gloves. Like, all right, all right, I'm on board. So again, tell you what, if you ever go on on YouTube and find one of the live stadium channels and hearing the energy of the stadium, how how just how knowledgeable they are, how loud they are, like it's pretty fucking exciting, bro. Now yeah. you kind of have to get through, you, you know, they're, they're changing the sport of Muay Thai. It's one of the great, another great thing that Chatri has done. Like he brought one to uh Lumpini stadium and they're taking away, um, you know, not, not letting people, th- there's a lot of uh, Thai culture and how they fight where they, they don't really fight the first two rounds. And a lot of times they kind of dance around the last round. And, and that's a, a whole discussion itself why they do that and you know it's a very cultural thing but they're taking away all that so they're going to be fighting all five rounds and uh dude it's going to be uh, it's, it's a fucking exciting sport man yeah um last thing before we get out of here matt uh <laughs> lot, Damon. Uh, yeah. no 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 you're right no you are you're right like i said i i i would i just i my one hope for muay thai is that uh I hope people get into it with one championship coming over here. I hope we get to see people yep. get into it. Cause like I said, that's how I got into it. And I think that is like the spoonful of sugar to help the medicine go down. Like, you know what I mean? You're tuning in for DJ, but trust me, you're going to want to watch Rod Tang. I promise you, you're going to want to watch Rod Tang. I hope that's what one championship does. And they, they because again, I, I used to watch nothing against lion fights. I watched lion fights for some reason. I just could not get into it. I don't know why I don't have a good excuse. Why I just like, all right, you know, it is what it is, but man, when you saw it, when it was like, I, I think one championship's got a great idea and I hope, I hope it flourishes over here. I really yeah, do. Even like lion fights or glory or, or it's showtime, all these K one, all these different promotions versus the stadium fights, just a completely different energy, man. Like go on, just do me a favor, go watch some uh, stadium fights and the way the crowd is. Uh, I think Muay Thai's T I E S. Um, I think they still show them. There's four or five different channels you can find where they stream them live, but they, they stream them live at like, you know, nine in the morning or six in the morning or some shit like that. But you will go back and watch it later. And it's pretty fucking exciting, man. You I think get into that. There's something wrong with you. Matt Brown, Matt Brown's Muay Thai. I think that's the promotion you're going to have to start when you're, when you're done fighting Matt Brown's Muay Thai. I think that's Immortal the way you Muay go. Mortal Muay Thai. There you go. Mortal Muay Thai. Bring it in. Do it. I like it. Uh, last thing. I just want to get picks here. Cause we always, we kind of talked about it earlier. We got the big heavyweight fight coming up in a matter of days. Curtis blades taking on Sergey Pavlovich. I know you've been huge on Sergey, uh, especially after his last fight, and his last knockout. Uh, obviously I'm very high on Curtis blades. And I know, you know, Curtis, cause you worked out there in Colorado. He's out there. Uh, so Matt, who are you picking Sergey Pavlovich or Curtis blades? Um, I don't have a pick on that one. Oh, come on. I can't pick on that one. I'm, I'm 50, 50. No, you got to pick. Come on now. That's the fun of this. Come on now. All right, well, I'll go with my boy, Curtis, just because we're boys. <laughs> I am picking Curtis. I, I legitimately think he's going to win this fight. I think Sergey's a monster, and if Sergey can hurt him early, I think he can put him away. But um, I haven't seen Sergey wrestle since the 
Overeem fight, and Overeem took him down fairly easily again a couple years ago. You can advance and progress and evolve. I get all that. But uh, the last thing you want is Curtis Blades on top of you, and I just I yeah. think it's I think it's a I think it's a it's a it's a time kind of thing. Like, can he hurt Curtis before Curtis takes him down? And this is a fight where I feel like Curtis might only need one takedown. Like he could do that much damage with one takedown. So I'm going Curtis. Yeah, well, Blades. I mean, yeah, you're. I think you're right. That's really what it's going to come down to. If if Curtis is able to get that takedown. Curtis is going to win. That's why I'm kind of 50-50. If it stays on the feet, I think Sergey is going to beat Curtis pretty handily. If it if he can somehow manage to stop Curtis's takedowns, keep it on the feet, and make it a, a stand-up brawl. I mean, Sergey looks absolutely phenomenal on the feet. Uh, everything I've seen, is he's just looked absolutely phenomenal. Um, and if you got Alistar over him uh, taking you down, there's probably a reason for it, right? He knows what he's getting into. So there's a um, – but, you know – it's just going to depend if he can stop Curtis's takedown. That's why I'm 50 50. Yeah. I just hope Curtis, if Curtis does win, I hope that whether it's John Jones sticking around or Stipe or whatever, but I really hope Curtis gets a chance to fight for a title soon. Cause that guy so deserves it. He's uh, he's come close a couple of times, obviously he had two losses to Francis. So he was kind of stuck in no man's land a little bit when Francis was champion, but man, I just, I Curtis is, you know, Curtis, he's an incredibly nice guy, incredibly good dude. And just a, a fierce fighter, man. I really want to see him fight for a title one day. Uh, and I hope it happens sooner rather than later for him, man. I, I always, I always root for people, good people that have good things happen to him. And I really do hope something good happens to, uh, to Curtis blades. All right. That's our show. Uh, as I said, next week, we're going to do a full on Matt Brown fight camp podcast, getting ready for your fight with court McGee. It'll be your final week before you kind of dial in those last couple of weeks. We're going to have some guest hosts on the show after that. Uh, Alan Joban is already locked in to come in one week and fill in for Matt. Uh, I'll have some more updates on other fighters. We'll still have fighter versus rider. It'll just be me and another fighter while Matt's kind of dialing in those last couple of weeks of his fight camp. And then obviously Matt will come back after uh, he goes out there and no offense, no offense, lays waste to court McGee. Uh, yeah, I say that because I like court, but you know, come on now. Uh, but so after you lay ways to court McGee, then you'll come back on the show that Monday after. Uh, but yeah, so we'll do our fight camp podcast next week. Can of dial into everything, uh, and get Matt, uh, kind of out of here and then we'll kind of gear up for that. So enjoy the fights this weekend. Thank you as always for everyone tuning into fighter versus writer. Make sure you check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms, Apple podcasts, Spotify, and of course the best website in the world, MMA fighting.com. Matt, before we go, I just want to say, obviously we're going into your final weeks of camp. Anyone people can support for you. Of course, check me out on social media. I am the immortal on Instagram and Twitter. Check out my sponsor routine.co R O O T I N E.co and the immortal coffee.com. Let's go. There you, there you go. Matt Brown for Matt Brown. I'm Damon Martin. We'll see you next week for another edition of the fighter versus the writer. Thanks for tuning right. in. We'll see you then. Later. Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch 
for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.